a few words on a piece of paper. A sudden moment of clarity. A life changed forever. Throughout the ages, people have been challenged, inspired, moved and transformed by the words of the world's divine educators. My name is Sean Hinton, and in this podcast, Moments of Meaning, I talk to people whose lives have been profoundly affected by the sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith, and ask them about the story of how it happened. In Season 1, I spoke to an amazing range of people from all walks of life and from all around the world, from Oxford to Addis Ababa. And the stories they told me were all about how they translated these ideas into action in their lives. In the Baha'i writings, a number of metaphors are used to describe such encounters with the sacred verses, and each of these metaphors describes a different aspect of that experience. A ladder for our souls speaks to the ability to raise our vision above the physical confines of our daily lives. A healing medicine for the wounded heart reminds us how the Word of God can provide solace and reassurance in times of tests. A light that can guide us in darkness describes the power of sacred writings to provide new insights that can advance civilization. But for me, it was this passage that was the starting point for Moments of Meaning, where Baha'u'llah says, Immerse yourselves in the ocean of my words, that ye may unravel its secrets and discover all the pearls of wisdom that lie hid in its depths. This was what I wanted to learn more about. What was the experience like of discovering these pearls of wisdom and what did it mean to people to have to dive into the ocean of words in order to find them? Some people made major career and life decisions based on an insight they had while reading the Baha'i writings. Roy Steiner, who heads the Food and Agriculture Program at a Global Foundation, spoke about how his mother shared with him a passage from the Baha'i writings when he was a child, and that moment inspired him to pursue a career in food and agriculture. I see this as the best way I know how, given the talents and skills that I have, to create a world that is more just and equitable and resilient. And, and, and it enables, I think, me to have a much more coherent life. And it all started with this passage and my mother seeing that spark and that light in me and, and being able to connect that um, to this beautiful writing that has just been unfolding its meaning over the, the, the past decades of my life and, and career. Mertad Bagai from Australia also drew inspiration in his working life from a quotation he heard as a child. He was born in Iran, where Baha'is were victims of religious persecution. Growing up, he remembers coming across this passage. If long-cherished ideals and time-honored institutions, if certain social assumptions and religious formulae have ceased to promote the welfare of the generality of mankind, if they no longer minister to the needs of a continually evolving humanity, let them be swept away and relegated to the limbo of obsolescent and forgotten doctrines, 
Hearing this, he realized that he had a responsibility to question everything, even his own beliefs and assumptions, to ensure he was being just and fair. This became a principle he held firmly to in his working life in business and finance, and then later in his career, this same insight inspired him to start a non-profit that promotes global citizenship in young people around the world. Bruktuit Tigabu from Addis Ababa in Ethiopia told me how transfixed she was when she read this passage. Regard man as a mind-rich and gems of inestimable value. Education can alone cause it to reveal its treasures and enable mankind to benefit therefrom. She was a teacher, struggling without any curriculum or teaching resources in a large classroom, and hearing this passage transformed how she saw her pupils, not as empty vessels to be filled with knowledge, but as beings filled with potential, waiting to be unleashed and channeled in service of the world. This notion shaped her path to becoming an award-winning producer of TV programs for children in her home country. I started questioning what is education and how do I deliver that education to everyone, every child, and how do I communicate that education is to serve others. For me, as a person, I feel like I am so blessed to interact with this noble creature and I have to find a way to get education to them. I felt like this is my responsibility and to my best ability, I have to deliver education. And I still believe, you know, the way for better society is educating children. And that belief becomes very personal cause, you know. Darren Dodson grew up in an extraordinary family with strong female role models all around him, like his grandmother, who was a school principal and led racial integration of schools in the D.C. area, and his aunt, who ran the family business for 40 years and sat on the boards of major institutions. These women in his life inspired him to actively address gender inequality in his work. Later in his life, he came upon this passage in the Baha'i Writings. The world of humanity is possessed of two wings, the male and the female. So long as these two wings are not equivalent in strength, the bird will not fly. Until womankind reaches the same degree as mankind, until she enjoys the same arena of activity, extraordinary attainment for humanity will not be realized. Humanity cannot wing its way to the heights of real attainment when the two wings become equivalent strength, enjoying the same prerogatives, the flight of man will be exceedingly lofty and extraordinary. This then defined his approach to advocating for women and inspired him to start an investment fund dedicated to rebalancing these inequalities. Looking at making sure that we are working towards or establishing gender parity within the organizations we invest into and in our company itself is really important. In fact, the quote does help guide it. And if something's wrong, it's one of those litmus tests that you can look back to. How does our organization answer to the power of this quote to reach the, the equity that it calls for. For Bahia Nakhchivani, the prayer for America by Abdu'l-Bahá had posed a lifelong challenge. Reading it at different times in her life, it had meant completely different things. Now, 
In the light of the last year of political and spiritual upheaval in the world, it took on extra poignancy and meaning. She saw in the prayer not a description of how America was, but a vision of what it could become. I believe much more that the words on the page are capable of creating the reality around me. As a young woman in Botswana exploring the Baha'i faith, Akun Tumi came across a passage about Baha'i laws that struck her as incongruous. It's, it's quite strange because I think the very, very first time I laid eyes on it, I think I thought <laughs> that's convenient, that the person that writes the laws um, should say that the laws are such a beautiful bounty and such a beautiful gift. So I think even the first time I read it, it was with quite an undertone of skepticism. But she soon realised there was more to the words than she'd understood in her first reading. And then I thought, actually, you know what? If a person who lives in the material world on earth wants to build a relationship with God, who is in essence a spiritual entity, it's very difficult for those worlds to overlap, for those worlds to cross. And how better to get to know someone, to get to know, to get to experience someone caring for you than to let them show you how they would take care of you. And I think that the way that a manifestation of God would do that is through the laws that he brings you, through the guidance that he brings you to help you live your life in a harmonious and in a peaceful way, to help you be a spiritual success, I suppose, in as much as you can be. And I just found it so, so beautiful. Some of the stories I heard were deeply personal. Rocky Moncho from Botswana recalled a prayer his father read to him as a child that shaped his journey through grief after a tragedy. O oh God, thou art more friend to me than I am to myself. I dedicate myself to thee, O oh Lord. The sense of comfort and companionship he felt as a child reading that prayer stayed with him all his life through tragedy and the loss of family members to alcohol. I can recall very vividly that the recitation of that prayer gave me literally wings of imagination, of the possibilities of even things that were perhaps impossible, that indeed there was a strength in it that, that, that told me that nothing is impossible for me. Literally, that I'm endowed with uh, a protection and with a strength and a vitality that can conquer anything that I've put to myself. And Arya Badian's story about reconnecting with the spiritual meaning she'd felt she'd lost when she heard these words. If it be thy pleasure, make me to grow as a tender herb in the meadows of thy grace, that the gentle winds of thy will may stir me up and bend me into conformity with thy pleasure in such wise that my movement and my stillness may be wholly directed by thee. Letting go and realizing that she cannot always be in control was a powerful insight for her. It has impacted me in my life and been a guidepost as I have gone through many dramatic life changes and big decisions. For me, though, 
The final episode in season one, when I spoke to Kate Glastonbury, was particularly special because I played a small part in her story. Kate recounted how, as a recent graduate from university in Sydney, Australia, she had moved to Mongolia for her first job, working at a travel and trekking company. She was talking one evening with a friend who shared with her a moving story from Baha'u'llah's writings, which describes the journey of search that each soul experiences. I was the friend who shared the passage with her, and it uses a metaphor of a lover searching for his beloved, who experiences tests and challenges in his search, but ultimately reaches his goal. So I just remember being completely carried away. I felt like I had gone to a different spiritual plane. I was completely, uh, I mean, I don't know if I can even put it into words, but I definitely felt so enamored by this passage. And I probably wasn't even, I mean, even to this day, I don't really understand it all, but I, I definitely felt so carried away with it. And just the setting and being in this place so far from my home, hearing these writings read in this beautiful way. And then I remember you gave me the the copy of the whole book that it's in, which is actually, I mean, it's Writings of Baha'u'llah, who's the founder of the Baha'i Faith, but The Seven Valleys is one part of it, and I have it in front of me. It's still, I read it all the time, but it, I just remember you giving it to me, and I just felt so touched and so um, completely um, humbled to be given it as well, and not just the passage, the entire volume of works of Baha'u'llah that was in this book and I went into my bedroom and I knew that this was something so profound that it required my response, you know, that this was the truth that I was being given and that I had a responsibility to it, that I couldn't just hear these words and remain who I was, that I had to follow them and understand their implication for my life. And it just was it was mind-blowing to me at the time. I, I mean, I, I don't think I slept very much that night. It was a really pivotal night in my life, definitely. Hearing these stories has left me wanting to know more. They convinced me that if we're searching for meaning, we can't sit on the edge of the shore and wonder what the water is like. We have to dive into the words, into the sacred verses of any and all of the world's religious traditions to find insight and inspiration and then find the courage to translate these words into action in our lives. But what does that feel like to do that? How do we find the courage and conviction to keep going long after that moment of meaning has passed? Well, join me for Season 2 to find out more, when I talk to another extraordinary group of people and ask them those questions and lots more about their moments of meaning. For more about the Baha'i writings, head to baha'i.org. For the podcast notes, baha'iteachings.org. Moments of Meaning is presented by Sean Hinton, sound engineering by Jamie Heath, researched by Nabil Khabarpur, Melania Mora and Salim Vayankor, Show notes by Nassim Mansouri and produced by Alex, Liz, and the amazing team at BahaiTeachings.org. <laughs>